you're like me, it's spring and it's time for some spring cleaning. And I want to invite you to continue our journey uh, with the Christian practice of simplicity. If you've missed a couple of weeks, you can go back on our YouTube channel and, and catch up. But we're all invited as a, as a solid ground family. We're inviting you to declutter your inward life, your, your inner life, and also your outer life. And uh, this week, I want to talk specifically about just continuing to declutter our inner life, what's going on inside of our hearts and our minds. And um, uh, because like when we follow Jesus, when we surrender our whole life to Jesus, uh, there's this dynamic that goes on. The scriptures tell us that that once we make Jesus the, the Lord of our life, I mean, the main thing in our life, we have access to the mind of Christ, the wisdom, the creativity, the joy. We have access to that. At the same time, we have old patterns, old habits that need recalibration. And those things are not pointed towards Jesus. And when we say the word discipleship around here, we mean that we're apprentices, students of Jesus, not just learning what he knew and what he taught, but spending time with Jesus so that we can become like Jesus. And it doesn't happen by accident. And all, this practice of simplicity, completely a means to an end. It just helps us create margin in our life so we can be with Jesus more and also be with others more. And um, uh, it's a concept uh, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. It talks about the need to train ourselves. There's effort involved in this, but it's so worth it. Um, uh, a couple books over in uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 5. The, the writer talks about wanting to teach this group of, uh, of Christians, like, I want to teach you more. I want to go deeper with you, but you're just not ready for it. And he says, like, right now, you're not ready for solid food. You're ready for milk. And, and that's all I can give you right now. And it, it, it really uncovers the difference between uh, someone who's mature and someone who's immature. Like, the invitation to us all is, is to grow towards maturity and put into practice some of these statements about reality that Jesus talked about of, uh, of simplicity. And um, uh, I've got this, this, this problem I want to talk to you about, this human problem that, that, um, that, that starts out like in the way that we're created, which is good. We are created by a triune God, which that concept makes my head hurt to think about. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's perfect love, perfect communion. We're, we're created in that image. And uh, that's what our souls long for. But we live in this world where we're interacting with other people and we hurt other people because we're not perfect. Uh, we've chosen as a as a human race independence in our own way over God's ways, and that has the domino effect of that through the years has has resulted in that dynamic that that, that we hurt others and we're hurt by others. So there's this tension, like the thing that we are created for and that our souls long for. Almost, I mean, if we we think about it, we long for community more than anything else, and it's the same thing that winds up hurting us and wounding us and scarring us, sometimes for years and years. So uh, it's not always fun. May not get a bunch of amens today talking about forgiveness. Um, so before, before we jump into a few different passages, I just want to um, just talk about our response 
to the problem and uh, four general responses that I've seen over the years and I've experienced, I've, I think I've done all four of these in my life, when it comes to approaching this dynamic of, of forgiving other people. Uh, some, sometimes when it comes to forgiveness and someone's hurt us, uh, we ruminate over it um, and we just think about it and we have a conversation. If I, I wish I would have said that, or if I see them again, I'm gonna give them a piece of our mind. And all that does is just increase our anxiety. It doesn't solve anything. And in my experience, most of the time, the person doesn't even know you're mad at them. <laughs> and they're just going along with their wonderful life and you're up till two in the morning thinking, I just can't believe they did that remembering details like it's not the blessed life to live it's not the way god meant us to live number number two is the retribution all right i'm not gonna get mad i'm just gonna get even <laughs> i'm gonna pay them back or uh, uh number three a lot of us do this especially not to pick on guys too much but just uh the repression um uh, uh, no i'm good i'm good i'm just gonna pull myself up by the bootstraps and i'm gonna ignore it going to uh, shove things down and just pretend like it never happened. Or we can choose the path of Jesus, uh, the path of forgiveness, and talk about uh, you know, uh, dealing with it in a healthy way and then leaving it in the past. Uh, one person defines forgiveness like this, the choice to set aside the debt of someone's wrongdoing against you, uh, the cancellation of a relational debt. There's a transactional kind of um, dynamic to this. And uh, I want to talk about uh, and briefly look over three different passages where Jesus talks about this relational dynamic of forgiving people. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, please open them to Matthew chapter five. Jesus says, you have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with the brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering this gift at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So in this passage, you know, Jesus is saying there's many different ways to murder someone and there's many different ways uh, to, to be violent with someone. And even, even our hearts and our emotions uh, can actually, like he's comparing it to murder. It's like, oh great, the Ten Commandments, you, you shall not murder, but guess what? Jesus ups the ante. Was, so many times I think, oh Jesus, uh, I used to think especially, he was just this warm, fuzzy, cuddly kind of guy, but he means business. He's saying like, even if you have anger in your heart, it's just like murdering somebody. And it's a, a, an amazing word study. I can't wait someday to, to get into that verse between this word raka uh, and, uh, and then you fool and, and the, the interplay between those two words. But 
for today, I want to focus on this, the, the, the emphasis Jesus placed on uh, forgiving somebody, even this is in the context of worship. And, and this is the old covenant worship at the temple where, where you've brought a sacrificial lamb. And this is the way, and, and, and the way things were before Jesus uh, was resurrected, like to atone for your sins. And like, you're there to make things right between you and God. And most of the people would have known, like for, for a lot of people outside Jerusalem, that would be days and days journey from where they lived. And they brought this, this not cheap lamb to be sacrificed. And Jesus is saying, your relationship with your brother or sister, if, if you remember while you're there, like in the presence of God, you've got some margin in your life. And you're like, oh, I did that. They're probably mad at me. It's more important to God that you go make that right, that we make that right. Uh, um, even in that context, leaving the lamb there and walking two or three days, maybe four or five days to go, to go uh, pay that debt and to have that transaction and say, I'm sorry, I wronged you. Will you please forgive me? That, when that happens, that's what God looks at and says, yes, that's what I'm after. The lamb is great, but I'm after reconciliation between, uh, between my children. Like that's how important it is. So I'm gonna give you permission, even though we're not in the same room, if you need to log off right now, make a phone call, send a few text messages, uh, we won't judge you. I'm going to do, I'm doing the same thing in an in-person gathering and, um, and I'm sure at this point in the, in the sermon, uh, someone's remembering, I think I left my lights on. I need to turn them off. And we all think they're so spiritual for leaving the room, uh, to, uh, to go ahead and, and say, and apologize to somebody. But if you, if you want to log off and catch this later, please do that now. That's how important it is to God for you to, to, to make whatever it is right. That's one of the, the talk about training ourselves uh, to be like Jesus. It declutters your heart when you, when you humble yourself. There's multiple things going on here, multiple ways that Jesus messes with our heart when we apologize, when we have the self-awareness to know. And, and it may be something simple like, oh, you know what? So-and-so told a joke the other day and it kind of registered in the back of my head, but I completely ignored them. And even though it wasn't funny, I at least should have looked them in the eyes. It may be something that simple or it may be something you did on purpose and you just remembered. Like it is more important to God than that we go and apologize than any other giving, any other uh, serving, any other thing that we could do that, that is good, like is to make our relationships right with our brothers and sisters um, and uh, in Christ and especially in our neighborhoods and in our world and in our culture. Um, another one, Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Here we are in church again. You're in there and you're, you're singing uh, and, and Marie is just uh, doing what she does and you're spending time with Jesus and then you remember, then you remember, ooh, I'm holding a grudge against that person. Uh, they did something. Saying, you know what, forgive that person in your heart. Start doing that work in that moment. It's more important. Like Talk to God about it right then. It's so important that we live, uh, I had a boss that used to say, let's keep short accounts, 
Don't wait for, for offense after offense after offense to build up. Like, go and, 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 and make it right. Forgive them uh, or, or go and get forgiveness as soon as you possibly, as soon as you remember it. And then uh, the last one we'll look at today is Luke chapter 17, verse 3 through 10. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times they come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. I love this one because the disciples go on, they like they hear that. They're like they're getting this picture of someone doing like the same thing, which it, I'm sure for some of you, like that's your button. Like I've told you not to do this. I've told you it annoys me. But as long as I say, I repent, I messed up again, I'm sorry. <laughs> The disciples are thinking about these things going, oh, Jesus, we need help with that. Like, please help us to have faith is what they say to Jesus. So I find a lot of comfort with that. Even people who were with Jesus are like, uh, that one's hard. I'm going to need your help on that one. But it's true. Like when they sin against you and this word rebuke uh, there, um, when you uh, it means bring it to someone's attention, really. And um and you have to bring it to their attention. Don't just, uh, don't just go up to them and say, you are forgiven. Because the person may not know what they've done. <laughs> it, may, it will make you look stupid or condescending at best. But you bring it to their attention in a, in a healthy way. Say, hey, this happened. This is what happened. This is how I felt about it. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk to you about this. And when they, when they say they're sorry, when they repent, then you, you forgive them no matter how many times they do it. Uh, if, they, if they repent, it's full, full forgiveness, even seven times a day. Now we've talked about three passages. Uh, the first one in Matthew 5 says like, all right, if you need to repent, do it now. And the second one in Luke says, if you're holding a grudge, like forgive now. You can do the work, you can have the conversation later, but you can't allow that bitterness to grow. Um, I love this phrase from the leadership world, like what you praise gets repeated, but what you allow gets infected. And that unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart, it will spread like an oozy, disgusting infection. And the third passage says, if someone doesn't know they've offended you yet, go lovingly show them as soon as you possibly can. And at this point, we've talked about forgiving people and uh, there's a lot of you going, I know I should forgive, but, so I wanna to talk to you for a couple moments about just some of the things I'm predicting that, um, that um, may be little stumbling blocks to, to following and putting these, these, uh, these passages into practice. Uh, number one, but they won't repent. You know, I totally get that. You bring, and what a letdown. You've worked up the courage and emotional energy to say like, I've got this thing. And I don't want to have this thing between us, but I'm hurt. And you show it to someone and it's painful when they're defensive. It's painful when they say, well, I didn't do that. Or they, there's all kinds of reasons where, why they may not repent. And when you've done your part and you've obeyed Jesus in this part and you've shown them, and if they don't repent, like your, your job isn't their response. You're not responsible for, for their, um, their ownership of what they've done to you. You're responsible for your own heart. And if, if you say, oh, you know, 
that's it is what it is but you have to refuse not to let the bitterness grow in your heart that is on them i mean jesus while he was being nailed to the cross his cry was father forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing father forgive them they don't even know uh what they're doing his heart he maintained a pure heart towards others and this is a tough one and if that happens uh, as a pastor i'm saying i'm so sorry and you need to you can process that dynamic with someone who knows god and they can walk you through that and that's where you need the help of other people to to get that off of your chest and to make sure that your heart is clean towards that person um but and and you're right it isn't your relationship is not restored but you are only responsible for your part of that transaction and when you bring it to their attention it's up to them to whether they repent or not. Uh, Romans 5:8 says while we were still sinners, you know, God God had already planned like even before we had repented, God's heart was already moving towards us. Um another one. This is one of my favorites and this is one I've struggled with in my life. I know I need to forgive, but I just can't forget. And I don't know exactly where the phrase forgive and forget comes from. But if you could forget it, you wouldn't need to forgive. <laughs> so, if you heard that from a Christian pastor, I'm a Christian pastor and I apologize on behalf of all Christian pastors for putting any guilt on someone for th- for making you think just because you remember something that you haven't forgiven yet. Like um you know, there's many passages in the Bible where where God has forgiven the Israelites for something, but he but then he'll uh, he brings it up like a couple chapters later. God forgives in the context of memory. God God doesn't hold it against us, um, and that's what it means by like forgetting our transgressions. It means yeah, God can still access that memory, but. It's no our our sins are no longer their sins and our sins are no longer held against us and our forgiveness is kind of in the same context that 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 we can access that memory but we choose uh, to keep moving forward and I love the image of of uh, a windshield and a rearview mirror and the danger comes when if you're driving you keep on looking at the stuff that's behind you you're not going to get very far. And that's that's part of how forgiveness works. Um because sometimes it is good to remember. Uh cuz that leads us uh that leads us to the third the, the third objection towards forgiveness. But I can't trust them again. And you know what? Maybe you can't. My goodness, in the terms of abuse and neglect, um uh, someone who um has gone gone through um uh, a betrayal of of trust and a marriage or you know trust isn't trust isn't just given willy-nilly like part of love, we can forgive someone but trust has to be earned back um and we uh yeah we may just keep an eye on that in the rearview mirror because there are natural consequences to our uh, uh to our behavior if you if you put a nail in a 2x4 and pull it out there's still going to be a hole in there and it takes a lot of repair to patch it up and relationships can be the same way uh, maybe the most forgiving thing you can do is to to do your work to to not bear them any ill will but also to set a good healthy boundary if uh 
if, if you can't trust them, a good healthy boundary keeps the bad stuff out and the good stuff in. And not everyone is safe for you. So um, uh, if, if that is a thing, like I can't trust them again, that's okay. Trust is earned. And that, that, but you're only responsible for not allowing bitterness to overtake your heart and keeping your focus outside of the windshield and moving to where God wants you to go and, and not making the, the rear view mirror your whole entire focus. So it is possible. Romans 12 verse 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And the, before we get to our challenge, just the last image I want to want to leave you with is that forgiveness isn't like architecture. Forgiveness is more like farming. You know, with architecture, you can design a building, you can build it. And once it's done, it's done. But forgiveness is more like farming. Weeds grow up if, if the field isn't tended, if our hearts aren't continually pointed towards Jesus, if we're not spending time with Jesus and making Jesus not just something we do once a week at church or once in the morning for 10 minutes when we wake up, if Jesus isn't a, a part of our whole day and everything, even like the, the everyday stuff that we do, like weeds can grow up easily. And it, it takes some cultivation. I remember as a teenager thinking, how many times do I have to, to forgive uh, for, for this thing, these things that happen and dynamics in my family and over and over again. And someone told me like, this is more like farming. And every once in a while, you gotta pull some weeds up. It doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven, but sometimes there's different layers to it. Sometimes, sometimes um, God allows us to, um, work through one layer of forgiveness and then when we're ready for it, when we're mature enough for it, when we feel safe enough, then we can deal with the next. But just because you remember something, don't feel like, um, oh, I didn't forgive and don't allow, that's when the enemy sneaks in with guilt and condemnation. Oh, if you were really a Christian, you would have forgiven and forgotten already. No, this is like farming and the, the garden of your heart, it takes tending and as things pop up, allow God to help you. And you, you pull that weed out and say, oh my goodness, yeah, that's still there. And, and keep giving it back to God, no matter how many times the weed uh, pops up of bitterness in your heart or unforgiveness. Um, and that's where community is so good. I, like this isn't a magical formula, but um, I just am reminded over and over again, um, having someone to pray with. And this can, if you don't have anyone in your life to pray through stuff with or to, to process these dynamics with, we are here. <laughs> like, um, But maybe there's already people in your life or if there aren't already people in your life to process uh, real hurts. And they may not be scars. They may still feel like open wounds. Like reach out to us. And um, it's our honor to, to process these things with you. That's what we do together as a spiritual family is, is we, we care for each other and carry one another's burdens. So um, our challenge this week is to declutter our hearts from unforgiveness so we can have space to actually hear what God is telling us and telling us who we are, why we matter, um, and, um, and to be the beloved sons and daughters of Jesus. So... Uh, I want to invite you uh, just to set, this may sound familiar if you've been with us for a couple weeks, set your alarm uh, 10 minutes early. And I really encourage you to have a paper Bible or write these scriptures on some index cards. Uh, read and meditate on Matthew chapter 6, verse 11 and 12.
because uh, that's from the Lord's Prayer. And it talks about, um, give us this day our daily bread and, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those. Because you and I need daily forgiveness as well. There's this amazing passage right before the, the Passover dinner, right before Jesus' Last Supper, and Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And Peter, uh, my favorite disciple who was practically born with a foot in his mouth, says, Jesus, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus says to him, uh, unless, you, uh, unless I wash your feet, you have no part in my kingdom. And Peter pulls his foot out of his mouth and goes, well, then, then let's do the whole thing, baby. Like, wash me from head to toe. I want to be a part of your kingdom. And Jesus says, like, you've already had a bath. So all I need to do, and these are my words, I'm paraphrasing, all, all that's needed right now is your feet to be washed. There's like this kind of forgiveness. Like once we say yes to Jesus, where, where we've had a bath. But as we walk through the daily grind of life, we pick up stuff on our feet. And this is a way of washing our feet every day and, and reminding us that we may need to wash someone else's feet and, and forgive them and release them. Even if they don't repent, we release them. They don't, hold a, they don't owe us a relational debt anymore and say, God, they belong to you, you work it out, but I'm going to live free. Uh, and it may sound a little bit cliche, but I, I think it's so true that when we refuse to forgive others and we hold on to that relational debt, we are actually the ones that are in prison. We are actually the ones. And the way Jesus meant for us to live is to release them to God and say, God, I'm not going to hold bitterness or grudge against anybody. So every morning meditate on that and ask Jesus to, to forgive us of our sins as we forgive others. So uh, I know talking about forgiveness may bring up all kinds of different scenarios, um, uh, wounds. Um, so I want to give space for that right now and uh, just have a moment where we can um, uh, forgive people. Maybe, maybe it is a parent, a mom, or a dad, or a coworker. Um, maybe it's, it's forgiving yourself. But, um, but as we've seen today, this is a huge priority that we zero out any debts that we think people owe us. Because when we start keeping track of that, like that's a slippery slope. I don't want, I don't want someone else keeping track of all my mistakes and all my sins. Like, um, even if they're not like mean, like I just do stupid things, uh, not even meaning to. I don't want to start counting other people's debts. So let's let's experience freedom together right in this moment. And I'm going to pray for you. And, and as I'm praying, uh, either write it down or say it out loud and just say, God, help me forgive so-and-so or help me to release so-and-so uh, so we can have uh, pure and clean hearts and space in our lives to hear Jesus's loving words, reminding us of who we are and whose we are. So if you would please just bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, we repent of holding grudges. We repent of uh, hanging on to unforgiveness. And as we confess to you right now in this moment, as we release uh, people from any debt we perceive that they owe us, we ask that you would bring godly counsel into our lives. And that you would help us to establish healthy boundaries and um, that you would bring healthy community into our lives. God, we, we ask that you would clean our hearts in this moment. You would wash our feet and, and help us to, to allow you to wash our feet daily. 
Uh, so from this moment on, God, we refuse to hold a grudge against anybody. We can only do this by your strength and with your help. And we can only do this together too. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So thank you for spending some time out of your week with us. We love you. We are praying for you. You can always send us your prayer requests at sgbic.com. And I'm praying that you experience so much margin and simplicity in your life that you begin to actually experience the overflow of God's presence in your life. So uh, before we leave, I'd love to say a blessing for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you and we hope you have a great week.